Today is Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020, and this is Radio Wave. This is Radio Wave with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. It's hard to believe we're here at 2020 March, the month that precedes June by only two more months, the 39th anniversary of Medjugorje's great event when the Virgin Mary came. And at that point, at 6.39 p.m. and 59 seconds, the Virgin Mary appeared. At that one second, at that point, the world began to change. How can we pinpoint that like that? Because we know the apparition started off at 640. And so for that one second, we can say that was a turnaround. The visionaries themselves immediately were affected by holiness because they saw it. And now here we are, nobody ever could have imagined we would be headed toward 40 years of apparitions. But what happened? We were at the lowest point of being an unholy people. Yes, many things are worse. Yes, we seem more evil. But we also see, at that point, holiness was birthed and began to grow. It began in the hearts of the visionaries who saw Our Lady, and as people came, they started praying, and that began the digging of a foundation. As Our Lady took the six visionaries underneath her mantle and started teaching them about holiness, she was digging in the ground for a foundation. And then she came in later. In 1984, started pouring concrete in the footer. That concrete was messages to the villagers. And when she poured out those messages, making a solid foundation, so the completion of all that being taken care of through the thirsty messages, we come up to January 8, 1987. And I remember reading this. I was just getting everything going with Caritas, and I was shocked because the message at that point showed that things were going to be shutting down. And we were shaken by this, and I know where I was standing. Exactly the moment when I got the last Thursday message. And she said, Dear children, I desire to thank you for every response to the messages. Especially, dear children, thank you for all the sacrifices and prayers which you have been presented to me. All this was part of the foundation. The friendship, 
And Scoot and the six visionaries again dug the foundation. Then the parishioners were the concrete. That's why she's thanking them. Then she says, Dear children, I desire to keep on giving you still further messages. Only not every Thursday. Dear children, but on the 25th of each month. When we saw that, we were shocked. We were stunned. But that was not really the one we got concerned about. Then she adds, The time has come when what my Lord desired has been fulfilled. When I read that, I thought, Man, we're just getting started. It's over. Everything's fulfilled. I remember looking at that sentence and was very disheartened. And he continues, though, with this message. Now I will give you fewer messages, but I am still with you. Therefore, children, I beseech you, listen to my messages and live them so I can guide you. Dear children, thank you for responding to my call. We thought it was over. But what happened, we came up and realized and said, or we, we slowly realized that our lady began to build something on the monthly messages on the foundation. The visionaries, then the parish, and then the world. And so she comes up on January 25th with the first message, which is, starts off the foundation of the message of building a worldwide body of people constructed and instructed by the messages which is why she said on that last Thursday message, I beseech you, listen to my messages and live them so I can guide you. Everybody else says you have to spiritual directors. You need to get a spiritual director. You need to get this. You need to get that. We don't have that. It's difficult for the priest just to get through the weekend schedule of the masses and all the duties. Our Lady for self a vacuum, a spiritual direction. And that's why she says, so I can guide you. A lot of people had a hard time with this because we were going back on the centuries thinking, you got a spiritual directory, you got to be under this. We're underneath the church. We have everything we need there. Because of the lack of direction, God sent Our Lady. And that's when she gave a big message. I want to call you to start living a new life as of today. I want you to comprehend that God has chosen each one of you in order to use you in a great plan for the salvation of mankind. You can say, I've heard that many times. Look at all the messages our lady gives to us. There's a purpose and the meaning for that. And that's why she still continued from 1987, January 25th, to this day, March 2nd, 2020, and how could we ever imagine we would come to this point headed toward 39 years of apparitions of another monthly message? Our Lady of Medjugorje's March 2nd, 2020 message to Mariana on the day for non-believers. Dear children, your pure and sincere love draws my motherly heart. Your faith and trust in the Heavenly Father are fragrant roses which you offer to me. 
the most beautiful bouquets of roses, which consist of your prayers, acts of mercy, and of love. Apostles of my love, you who sincerely and with a pure heart strive to follow my Son, you who sincerely love him, you help. You be an example to those who have not yet come to know the love of my Son, but my children, not only with words, but also with acts and pure feelings, through which you glorify the Heavenly Father. Apostles of my love, it is a time of vigilance, and of you I am asking for love, that you not judge anyone, because the Heavenly Father will judge everyone. I am asking that you love, that you convey the truth, because truth is old, it is not new, it is eternal, it is truth, it testifies to God's eternity. Bring the light of my Son, and keep breaking the darkness, which all the more wants to seize you. Do not be afraid. Through the grace and the love of my Son, I am with you. Thank you. This message today we received from Our Lady. We never could have received it in a way that we can comprehend it without all the preceding messages that brought us to this point. Every message has a mystery, many mysteries. And those mysteries become variable in the future when you look at them because you discover more mysteries. I can tell you, and I testify, by the time the Thursday messages ended, nobody was paying attention to the messages because all they thought was it's the same thing. It was more exciting watching the signs and seeing people convert. I peered into them. I looked at them, and I watched this, and by the time of the first January 25th message was given, I started really looking at digging a footer, pouring concrete into it. Within three years, we literally was doing that. And we were building something massive, not compared to skyscrapers. But for the Medjugorje world, nobody was doing that. And I was impaled by the message to literally dig the footer, pour concrete, pour concrete walls and lay out a building that now stands on the property of Caritas that's 65,000 square feet. And its name, many of you know, is the Tabernacle of Our Lady's Messages. It's the result of the messages. It's not an idea. It is a fruit of the messages. To be vigilant and be keeping the messages in front of the people, producing them, printing them. This came from the parables and the symbols and the things I said that you build this building. I caught persecution just because of the name of the building. The tabernacle of Our Lady's messages is something to preserve, perpetuate, and to give to the future generations till Jesus comes back. The safeguarding 
and the propagation of the messages for the kingdom of God. The third decade of the Luminous Mysteries. All that came from the messages. It was seen in there. And anybody could have gone that way and picked that up. But did they pick it up when they said February 25th, 1988? Sacrifice your life for the salvation of the world. That is a completeness of you no longer having yourself or your time or your future or your direction that you want versus what the messages tell you to do. And the message today has some very profound things in it. Elias says, Apostles of my love, it is a time of vigilance and of you I am asking for love that you not judge anyone because the Heavenly Father will judge everyone. Why is that like he's saying that? There are so many bad people out there, so many wicked people, so many people doing so many things and making themselves such a horrible individual. And here it is, the lady says, don't judge anyone. She proceeds that saying, it's a time of vigilance. And I'm asking for your love that you not judge anyone. And then this is the catcher. Because the Heavenly Father will judge everyone. Is the lady giving us warning? The three secrets and what's coming as a mother, I've thought for a long time, LA somehow is going to win for us some kind of judgment that would be compared to what happens after we died. I don't know how that will form out, but what I can tell you, what Conchita, one of the visionaries of Gary Medall, which they opened back up by the bishop, they ended it in the 1960s, that really parallels the events of Medjugorje. But Kachita, one of the major visionaries, said that there's going to things happen in the future, and one of them was going to be like a mini-judgment, and that people will be able to see all their sins, everything they've done, how they harmed other people, how they harm yourself, and you'll see the fullness of your sins and the consequences of that. And she said that it's going to be a fire. That was a sign on the mountain of Medjugorje. There was a fire there. So instead of flooding the world like Noah, and God said he would never send the flood again, I remember in grammar school, when I asked a nun what would happen if God has to do it, and the nun said it's going to be by fire. I don't know where she got that. I don't know how she understood that. But I never will forget that. She didn't explain any more to that or elaborate on it. But Kajita said, there will be a mini judgment. You will be burned anywhere from five to six, seven minutes up to 15 minutes. You won't die from it. If you're in a car wreck and it explodes in fire in 20 seconds, you're in shock. You don't feel anything. But can you imagine being in fire with all your senses and everything there? And then in front of you, your sins are shown in their fullness and all the consequences that five minutes will be horrible. You can't die. 
but you'd be purified and you'd be receiving a bath in hell or purgatory. And if you have to go 15 minutes, can you imagine that? Kachita said, you won't die from that. But there will be some people who will die like from a heart attack during the midst of that. Whether that's going to come or how that's going to come. If a mother really wanted to show you, to save you, she would give you experience that would change you. So here we have those facts. We can't have the world flood again. That's a promise, the rainbow. That's what the covenant is about. But here it is that he says, don't judge anyway because she's warning us that whatever you're judging, you're going to be judged for. She's given us this ability to have a sentence that we won't be sentenced with because we didn't judge anybody no matter how bad they are. So this time is vigilant and and I'm asking you for love that you not judge anyone because the Heavenly Father will judge everyone. Is she coded that? Does that mean they're going to lifetime? She's winning for us a grace that's going to change every person on the earth with the secrets somehow. So why is she putting this in this message saying because the Heavenly Father will judge everyone? We know that after our death, but is that something... That's going to happen? What Conchita's talking about? We know there's something that's got to change every heart in the world. And the lady goes after that and says, I'm asking that you love, that you convey the truth, because truth is old and it is not new. We're so far from the truth, we have to be burned and purified by fire to come back to the truth. And God shows things to us. It would be just like Our Lady. Not that she wants us to suffer. But she don't want you to go to eternal hell, which is the truth. It'd be much better to experience something while you're alive that would purify you from you. In 1988, when Maria was at our bedroom having apparitions every day, and thousands of people coming from all over the world, poor people, middle class people, very rich people. We had several people coming from South America who was very rich. They had private jets that were flying in. There was a young couple that came in. They flew in on a private jet. And they came into the bedroom. And I was across the bed on the other side. And the apparition happened. And they started having contorted faces. And they started looking down. They backed away from the bed. And the whole apparition, the behavior was odd. Very, very odd. Of course, I was curious what was going on with them. They went through the whole apparition like that. After the apparition, they came up and said that they had an experience in there that was not good. And asked them what happened. They said the whole floor was not there, and it was fire. And they were kneeling above the fire. They were tormented by that. They weren't burned by it, but they were shaken to their very being and their very soul. They went through conversion. When I was in grade school and the nuns said that the next thing would be fire, and then we had the fire on the mountain and it's supernatural, is that what it's going to be? So when I saw this today, and I'll read it again, Apostles of my love, it is time for vigilance, and of you I am asking for love that you not 
judge anyone. In other words, it's going to be better for your judgment, no matter how wicked someone is. Because the Heavenly Father will judge everyone. We know that after death, that's going to happen. But is she saying this in this context? That maybe it may happen in this lifetime? What triggered that in me was when she says, don't judge anyone. And yet she goes on and says, I'm asking that you convey the truth which is old. Our has told us in another message previously that God exists. God is truth. If we analyze this whole message through prayer, and you take one thing out of it, you will say, oh, it's a beautiful message. All these things, and all these pure feelings, and the fragrance of roses, and mercy and love. You can say all beautiful things, and drop out one more sentence out of this, and you sit there and say, L.A. says, don't judge. You can never criticize anything. You can never lift up your finger. But a lady puts one sentence in here that's really intriguing and really important and very profound. We're supposed to be breaking down the darkness, tearing it to pieces. Well, wait a minute. We can't judge everybody. How do you do that? A lady counterbalances this whole message by saying all these beautiful things. Pure hearts, strive by son, sincerely love him, be an example to everybody, don't judge nobody, bring the light to my son, and keep breaking the darkness which all the world wants to seize you. Do not be afraid. This is profound. That counterbalances everything that we are to attack. Systems, evil, and break it down. If that sentence was not in this message, people say, oh, no, we're supposed to love everything and love everybody and accept and be tolerant. No, our lady put that in there. Don't judge the person. Because we have some messed up people, really messed up people. And a lot of it isn't their fault. And most of it is parenting, which has fruited a lot of people that are totally lost. So when Our Lady's saying that the truth is old and it's not new, and yet you're seeing in society on every level, all of this new stuff is being tried in the culture that seems to say that truth is evolving. But Our Lady says it's old. She says don't judge people but break the darkness. Isn't this really a reference to the Ten Commandments that law following law gives you the ability to step back and look at situations and people's actions based in some truth, some law, and be objective in looking at what a person's action is rather than just being able to take a person's action without really judging them, but judging their action based on what the law that God's given to us. That takes it off of our shoulders to judge somebody as far as having a bad feeling for somebody or condemning them. or The law itself, you have to look at the law itself to say that their actions aren't matching up to the law. And therefore, the law condemns. The law judges. But our hearts don't have to get involved in the emotional part of judging somebody with hatred or with malice. 
What Al Ali did say is profound because truth is old, it's not new, it's eternal, it is truth, it testifies to God's eternity. Making it tangible to your question about different people and what they do and holding them accountable to the Ten Commandments, we can't even judge that. We don't know why people are what they are. They don't even know what they are. We have parenting I refer to before you ask the question that are lost themselves and their children are lost. The culture dictates everything and they know the commandments. But so many people are damaged. They don't have a resilience. You have a divorced couple and you have a child that's split personality. You hear people say, oh, well, they got split personality like it's a fault. The closer the mother and father are together, the less they'll be split with an individual that they've begotten through childbirth. The more division, the more split. You can diagnose it as bipolar. You can diagnose it as split personality. But the more the mother and father are together one, the more the one and the whole the child will be. And the more they're split, and they may know the Ten Commandments, they're weakened in their souls. They have human weaknesses. And that's why we can't judge. Because they may not have the resilience I have or you have or whoever the next person is next to me or how they were raised. We're faulted by a system that Satan has built that has damaged everybody alive today in this world. And that's why we have to have heaven come down to us. So no, we can't judge people in that sense. And I've always been merciful for that. When people come and say something or ask me, I tell them that's a sin. Why they are doing that and what they were raised and how they've been living and what they've done, they've been lost. They never had family. They were pushed away. And they pushed God away. I remember having my neighbor who never had a father. We never saw his father there. He never knew his father. And he was raised and God was better than we were. But he told me after I got married, he came visiting and I asked him where you were with God because I know he didn't believe in God. How could he believe in God? He never had a father. He was damaged. And we got serious in the conversation. He said, I wish I knew there was God. I would punch him in the nose. And I'm telling you, this guy was more moral, more virtuous than I was. So that's what I'm saying. You can't tell that. People are weary. They are lost. They just don't know, just like Sammy. Through our witness, he became a Catholic, which is an amazing thing, because all of his life up to that point in our conversation, he said he was an atheist. But he still wanted that father. He still wanted it, and he finally found it in the Catholic Church. I just don't know what to do anymore I lost my way in this world a while ago I pushed away everyone that was good to me now I'm fine down down 
to correct anything or bring up the commandments there is so much damaged hearts there that we can't approach things that way how do you approach how do you break down darkness I was in a confession line recently and there was a big guy standing right behind me in line in front of me and there was some older people sitting in the pew in front and this lady comes in she sits in the pew She's not there but a few seconds and her cell phone starts going off. And I'm annoyed by that. She fumbles this out of her purse. And instead of turning it off, she's looking at it. 
And I say very loudly, I said, what are you doing looking at the thing? Turn the stupid thing off. And she got more nervous and embarrassed. And, of course, everybody looked at me, and they were looking at her. And then she starts trying to turn the thing off. And I says, what do you even bring this in the church for? This thing's from Satan. Get it out of here. There was four older people to her right, and they all went, oh, yeah, yeah. They was like, they were so excited. Somebody said that. They all gave this murmur. It was like they were like cheerleading, like, yeah, somebody's finally saying something. Well, the big guy beside me, and I'm not that big, he's facing me. He's leaning with his shoulder against the wall, and he says, I left mine in the truck. Like, here's this little guy right here. He's, it was kind of funny. He said, I, I left mine in the truck. Don't, don't look at me. Then she sits there and says, would you forgive me? And I says, yes, I forgive you. So everything got quiet. And after about 60 seconds later, I said to her out loud, and everybody could hear it, I said, I'm a bigger sinner than you are. And then we got another argument. She says, no, I'm a bigger sinner. I said, no, I am. And then everybody starts smiling. And then she was on such perfect behavior from there, she was asking me permission when she should go to confession. So I killed her of what she was doing, and then I killed her with love. When she left the church, she spotted me. She's just waving and smiling. She was embarrassed, and sometimes you can do things that way. But I didn't do it through hatred. I did it through the hatred of what was in her hand. And she'll never forget it, nor with the big guy and everybody else that was sitting around there. That was spontaneous. It wasn't planned. But if you're in prayer, those circumstances come up. I always have it. I'm not always ready for it. But if you know your subject, you know what you do, and you stand on those things, it just comes out. I wasn't going to say nothing to her. But when she started looking at it, that triggered me spontaneously to do what I did. Everybody got a lesson from that. And then I felt guilty after she asked forgiveness. When she said that, and she said that very kindly and very sheepishly, I started thinking about it for the next minute. Well, I'm a sinner, and I wanted to let her know and soften this up with love. Hey, I'm a bigger sinner than you. And then she comes back going, oh, I am. We put on our site today a whole thing about the corona situation, which you should go in there and look into this. Satan is very active with everything. And you need to have knowledge to be able to keep breaking down the darkness which all the more wants to seize you. So our lady balances this whole thing out, this whole beautiful thing out, to let us know you're not going to judge nobody, but you're going to break this down. There's a lot of people learn about the cell phone confession line that this is something not to be in the church. It's very interesting and profound where a lady says, it is a time of vigilant. Vigilant means to be awake, be ready. That's what happened in the confession line. I wasn't practicing anything, but I was vigilant and knew what to say and then put love into it at the same time. A lady's only said the word vigilant one other time. It was November 2nd, 2016. 
So in the context of what she says in that date, we should have some view of this, what she's saying today's date. She says, it is a time of vigilance. In this vigil, I am calling you to prayer, love, and trust. As my son will be looking in your hearts. See, that's 2016. My son's going to be watching you. Why? Because he knows the Heavenly Father is going to judge everyone. See, this ties together. And she continues in the 2016 message. The united love of my apostles will live, will conquer, and will expose evil. And today, in the same words with vigilance, bring the light of my son, just like she said in 2016, my son is looking at your heart today, bring the light of my son and keep breaking the darkness which all the more wants to seize you. And 2016 will conquer and will expose evil. That's what we're supposed to do as our ladies apostles. But you got to balance. You have to understand it. You have to realize people are wondering. They're searching. They're looking. They're carrying a load of a broken family. They have addictions. They have weaknesses. They don't have friends. They're just wandering people. They're lonely. They have no memories the way they were raised as children. There's nothing to fall back on. I've met people like that. Gone to Medjugorje, convert, and they fall and they get up, and they fall and they get up because they don't have the stamina of a person who's been raised in a healthy family with love around. I carry test kids. They've been raised like that. All the adults are respected. They know they're loved by all the adults. We have a great deficit with a huge number of people in the world that don't have those experiences of growing up where a beautiful time with beautiful memories that will give them the stamina, the resilience to find their way in the world. i
often I focus only on a specific part of the message. Yes, I take the context of the whole message, but there's certain words that when you see that comes up, they're really striking. This vigilance word is defined to be in the state of being awake. There's two remarkable virtues that dogs have. It's vigilance and fidelity. They're never in a bad mood when you come home. They love you. And they can see things and hear things and smell things that you can never. They're always vigilant. And a dog is an example for what we should be always aware. Every circumstance, how it can bring somebody to God. Our Lady relates us to be a bouquet of roses, which consists of prayers, acts of mercy, and love, who sincerely, with pure love, hearts, strive to follow my son, and who sincerely love him, you help, she says. You be an example to those who not yet come to know the love of my son. But my children, not only with words, but also with acts and pure feelings. There's people out there that are searching. They want to be with somebody. They want to be loved. Because everything in their life is a mess. And the song, previous song was talking about being far from home. Many people are. What is home? Our ladies told us home is heaven. Home is eternally being with her, with the Father, with Christ. But if you've never experienced home, it's only a dream. It's something you long for. Will somebody take me home? People are looking for that. We have so much tragedy in the heart and the soul that you cannot be our lady's apostle without having empathy for these people. Because you have to show them that God is with them through you because you may be the only Christ they will ever see in their life. Don't judge them. Love them. And if you love them, they'll take correction.
March 25th, 2018. I am calling you to be with me in prayer in this time of grace when darkness is fighting against the light. And it's in the family. Hopelessness. Darkness. A lady's showing the way. Today she said, I am asking that you convey the truth. How do you do that with your life? You make your home where your children want to be there and be happy. You give them memories. Many people have bad memories in their home life. You know you've been raised good when you have beautiful memories of being raised and what home was like. Because wherever you go, it won't be what you had in your home. We don't have home today. We have a bus stop. Too much rush, too much go, too much do these things. And we don't have the glue, the memories, and the fondness of the way we were raised that you can look back on how you were raised that will give you resilience to go up against anything and to conquer anything that's put before you. You want your home life. You want to raise your kids where you're making memories, beautiful things that they can reflect back on of where they came from and that their heart will always be there if they're physically not there. My son's Kyle and Casey sometimes would bring friends over. There was this boy that they brought that had a bad, bad family situation. Wasn't good. He visited us only two to three times. And he enjoyed so much being there in the house and family and love. And again, he'd only been in our place two or three times. He comes around the counter into the kitchen to me. And he says, Sir, I want to become a Catholic. He wasn't going to church. He wasn't going anywhere. We went preaching Catholicism. He knew what we was and what we was about. And it really shocked me when he responded back. He says, how do I become Catholic? This is just an encounter a couple of times. You know what it has the grace of efficacy when that happens. That they go through conversion just by having a, a short period of time in their lifetime of an experience of what life should be about. You should be raised in a way, and you should be raising your children, your home should be, no matter where you are in the world, that when you go home, you'll always think when you're there. I wish it was always like this, because it's not when I go other places. to get out of my hometown Now I'm looking for every excuse to go back on the weekend I can still see the front porch balcony Every time I leave Grandpa waving back at me Wish I could have told myself back then It won't
Everybody flying high, waiting for my time. Wish I could have told myself. Looking at you, back at me, all I want to do is make another memory. That's what we should be producing from our home life. And love you like it's the end. Because it won't always be like this. I wish love would last forever, so I could live it all again. It won't always be like this. No, it won't always be like this. I walked in my office. Maria is sitting on the couch. And I said spontaneously to her, Maria, what is it going to be like when our lady no longer appears to you? The smile on her face went away. She held up a hand and crossed her fingers. And that gesture really burned in my memory. Because we lived days with our lady physically present. In the bedroom, in the field, at the cross, in the tabernacle, in Medjugorje. Relish these days. Create memories so that you won't regret the passing, the second greatest event in Christendom since Christ. And we were there, and you were there, and you were alive. Involve yourself in the Medjugorje, in the messages, into your home life. You'll never regret it. You'll always be able to go back home 
to those memories. We wish you our lady. We love you. Good night. This ends the Radio Wave broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.